Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2. Available on the web at fm1032.com.au. Hello, I'm Kel Richards. One of my favourite channels on cable television is a thing called the History Channel. And I particularly love to watch the, the one-hour documentaries that they have, which are biographies about people. It's really interesting to be able to look at a person's life to be able to hear what people thought of that person. In some cases, there are bits of the person themselves speaking, and you can weigh up what they're saying and think for yourself of, who is this person, what are they really like? I find that stuff fascinating, and I'm going to do exactly that tonight with the central figure of history. Tonight's program is entitled, Who is This Man? Thanks for joining us. Nice to have your company. Well, now we're picking up a series that we actually began last week. We did it last Wednesday and Thursday night, so we'll do it again tonight and then tomorrow night, Wednesday night, and again on Thursday night. That will wrap it up, this little sort of mini-series. It's all about explaining Christianity, and the only way to explain Christianity is to explain Christ, because that's what the word Christianity means. Christianity means Christ-following or Christ-believing or something like that. It's much more like a fan club than anything else. Christianity is the Jesus Christ fan club. So we're explaining Jesus Christ, and we're doing that by looking at Mark's biography or gospel of Jesus, an eyewitness first century document, a report based on the memories of Peter, one of the very first followers of Jesus, taking us right back into the Jesus generation. The story so far. Mark's report begins with Jesus being baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. Jesus then goes off for 40 days alone in a desert area, then returns and starts his work after John the Baptist has been arrested. Jesus announces that the kingdom of God is at hand and that everyone should turn from their way to God's way. And then he calls some fishermen to follow him and they drop everything and follow. Jesus travels around preaching, often in Jewish meeting houses, and when they're not available, in the open air, on hillsides, beside the lake, in people's homes. Preaching, Jesus says, is his main task. As he travels around preaching, he is moved to compassion by the sickness he sees, so he heals sick people, drives bad spirits away from poor, tormented souls. Jesus calls others to follow him, teaches the people using teaching stories called parables, and heals many, a cripple, a leper, a man with a crippled hand, and so on. Crowds gather around him. Jesus chooses 12 men to be his inner circle, his closest followers, and he calls these men apostles. The word means representatives or ambassadors. The religious officials are opposed to Jesus. They criticize him and try to trap him with tricky questions. Jesus' mother and brothers turn up, worried about what's happened to the young man they grew up with. Jesus sends them away with a flea in their ear, saying that whoever follows him is his brother, his sister, his mother. He tells more teaching stories, which are most often about the kingdom of God. That's the message that preoccupied Jesus from the beginning. And then this happens. You listen now while I read from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. That evening Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the east side. So they left the crowd, and his disciples started across the lake with him in the boat. Some other boats followed along. Suddenly a windstorm struck the lake. Waves started splashing into the boat, and it was about to sink. Jesus was in the back of the boat with his head on a pillow, and he was asleep. His disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care that we're about to drown? Jesus got up and ordered the wind and the waves to be quiet. The wind stopped, and everything was calm. 
Jesus asked his disciples, Why were you afraid? Don't you have any faith? Now they were more afraid than ever and said to each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Well, there you are. I was reading from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Now, in writing up his account of that event, Mark wants us to ask ourselves the same question the followers of Jesus were asking at that moment. Who is this man? Everything that's happened so far has been leading up to this question and feeding in data so that we can perform the necessary calculations and computations and come up with the correct answer. In the first place, we know that even today, no one can control the weather. Not even our best scientists have been able to make a windstorm stop like that. On the other hand, the Bible says that the big brain behind the Big Bang, the creator God who made it all, has not gone away, but is running and controlling the whole show the whole time. That being so, it follows logically that God can control the weather. But we've just seen Jesus controlling the weather, haven't we? So, who does that tell us Jesus is? Yes, you've got it in one. And in case the message still wasn't clear enough, to his first followers, Jesus continues to show the authority that he has over disease and disorder and chaos. He heals a demon-possessed madman who's been living wild among the rocks and caves. He heals a woman who's had a bleeding disorder for seven years and whom the doctors have given up on, and he raises an eight-year-old girl from the dead. You worked out who he is yet? Well now, whatever Jesus' followers made of these events that we've been talking about so far, others didn't like them. And they didn't like Jesus. The people of Jesus' hometown, Nazareth, turned against him. And so what he does then is to take his message to the hillsides. The crowds follow him and he miraculously feeds a crowd of 5,000 men and later another of 4,000. He gives his inner group of followers another demonstration of his power over the natural world when they're in a boat, caught in a storm, and he comes to them walking across the waves. Jesus heals a blind man and a deaf man among others. He shows where the official religious teachers have gone wrong. And then he turns and puts the big question to his followers, the key question upon which everything else turns. You listen now while I read to you from Mark chapter 8, verses 27 to 32. Jesus and his disciples went to the villages near the city of Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, What do people say about me? The disciples answered, well, some say you're John the Baptist, or maybe Elijah. Others say you're one of the prophets. Then Jesus asked them, But who do you say I am? You are the Messiah, Peter replied. Jesus warned the disciples not to tell anyone about him. Jesus began telling his disciples what would happen to him. He said, The nation's leaders the chief priests and the teachers of the law of Moses will make the Son of Man suffer terribly. He will be rejected and killed, but three days later he will rise to life. And then Jesus explained clearly what he meant. Well, there you are. I was reading from Mark chapter 8, verses 27 to 32. And that's the key question, the big challenge that Jesus presents, not just to his first followers, but to everyone. Who do you say I am? Who do you say he is? Peter gave the correct answer when he replied, You are the Messiah. Now this word, Messiah, is a Hebrew word from the Old Testament part of the Bible. It means anointed one. The uh, Greek equivalent is the word Christ. 
That's why Jesus of Nazareth is called Jesus Christ. It's not his surname, it's his title. He is Jesus the Christ, Jesus God's anointed one. Ancient Jews such as Peter and the other early followers of Jesus knew that God had been promising to send a Messiah, an anointed and appointed leader and ruler, been promising it for many centuries. They believed that he would become their king and make them a powerful nation that would dominate the world. They were expecting a Messiah, a Christ, but the wrong sort of Messiah, the wrong sort of Christ. So Jesus immediately goes on to explain what sort of Messiah, what sort of Christ he is. He tells them and us that he is indeed God's appointed and anointed one, that he's come to die. Jesus was born to die. He is the dying Messiah, the dying anointed one, the dying ruler. He says again and again and again from then on, this is his task. This is why he came into this world. For instance, his followers, still confused about the nature of the kingdom, argue about who will be the most important. You listen. I'll read to you Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and said, Teacher, will you do us a favor? Jesus asked them what they wanted, and they answered, When you come into your glory, please let one of us sit at your right side and the other at your left. Jesus told them, You don't really know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the cup that I must soon drink from, or to be baptized as I must be baptized? Yes, we are, James and John answered. Then Jesus replied, You certainly will drink from the cup from which I must drink, and you will be baptized just as I must. But it isn't for me to say who will sit at my right side and at my left. That is for God to decide. When the ten other disciples heard this, they were angry with James and John. But Jesus called the disciples together and said, You know that those foreigners who call themselves kings like to order their people around. And their great leaders have full power over the people they rule. But don't act like them. If you want to be great, you must be the servant of all the others. And if you want to be first, you must be everyone's slave. The Son of Man did not come to be a slave master, but a slave who will give his life to rescue many people. That's Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. And you see, that's why Jesus had to die. That's why he is the dying ruler, because by dying he rescues. Jesus dies in the place of, as a substitute for, as a stand-in for, as he says, many people. For those many people, God's judgment and punishment are then over. And they have been rescued from eternal darkness and offered forgiveness and a place in God's family, God's paradise, forever. Only a dying king can achieve a rescue like that. Tomorrow night, uh, the title of tomorrow night's program is a question. Why did Jesus come? The answer, tomorrow night. Here's our thought for the night from Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Jesus said, speaking of himself, The Son of Man did not come to be a slave master, but a slave who will give his life to rescue many people. Until tomorrow night at this time, thanks for your company. I'm Kel Richards. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.